Welcome to Employing Differences, a conversation about exploring the collaborative space between individuals. I'm Paul Tevis. And I'm Karen Gimnig. If you're new to the show, each episode we start with a question and we see where it takes us. This week's question is, what happens when we can't agree? So this is a question I think we both get a lot in our consulting practices. And I recently had it come from one of my nonprofit clients saying, you know, we go around the circle and people just, they're a sociocracy community and they, we can't consent. What do we do when we just can't get there? Um, and, and we're gonna attempt to do this in about 15 minutes, which is about a 10th as much time as I'd like to have to do it thoroughly. But do you have a starting point, Paul, that you like from when you get this question? Well, I, I loved what you said in our sort of pre-show conversation, which is, I need either an hour or a weekend to answer this question. So I think we're going to try and touch on a few points um, and, uh, and, and do what we can, but recognizing that this is an iceberg of which we're, we're going we're gonna to get to the tip of. Uh, so for me, uh, I do think that, I mean, one of the challenges in there, in that question, is, uh, well, there's two of them that come up for me. I'll start with the, the first one, which is agree. Like when we can't agree. Um, and oftentimes when I'm working with organizations and with teams that say that they, they, we talk a little bit about, there's some differences between consensus and unanimity, depending on exactly what process you're, you're using, like these things can show up in different ways. But oftentimes um, we sort of back up and say, well, wait a minute, what is the point of the conversation? Is it to come to a single thing that everybody thinks is the best idea? Is this to come to a point that we have, we've gotten to a point where we think this is a good enough solution for us to proceed with, and we're all willing to do that? Like, usually what is happening, I find in groups, is that they don't have a clear basis of what the purpose of that conversation and that decision is. That's one of the things that shows up. And so they often have different standards for what it means to agree on something. I think that's so true. And I, and I think that one of the things that, that groups struggle with is that the, the space between total agreement and enough agreement that we can move forward together can be pretty small. And, and so one of the things I think about with groups is how do we expand that space? Mm. Um, I, I think the likelihood of total agreement, we actually don't want that to go up because we don't mm -hmm. want to all think the same. We want divergent thinking. We want to be employing differences. This is part of why we named our, our podcast that. Um, but we do want there to be a pretty big space where we don't totally agree, but we can align enough. We align in our values. We align in our objectives. Um, and we can say, okay, I, I don't think that's the very best thing, but it's a good enough thing that's going to get us forward. And it's the best way for us to move forward as a group, even though I don't happen to think it's the best possible way if it were me making the decision. Um, and that space I find grows with trust and mm -hmm. that sort of sense of belonging, the confidence that I will be heard. Um, I find that doing the thing that doesn't feel totally right to me um, is pretty tough if I don't feel like I have been heard and valued and validated. Mm -hmm. 
On the other hand, I find for individuals, it's true for me, and I find it's true for others that if I feel like the people I'm with really heard me, they totally understood it, they thought it made sense, they valued my perspective, and they think we should go a different way, I actually can tolerate that pretty well. So yeah. that's that piece of expanding that space in which we don't agree and we can move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that that kind of points to is then the idea of when you can't agree, and we're just, I'm gonna, I, I keep wanting to air quote this, but it, it, whatever it is that your group has identified as like not being able to agree, which is really a like we got into an impasse and we're not sure how to proceed. That's actually what it, what it I think really means in a lot of cases. Um, that for me is often a clue that we haven't heard enough about the disagreements that we actually haven't made enough space for people to talk about their concerns, for people to, to voice those things. That it may, you're kind of pointing to this, it may have nothing to do with the actual decision and everything to do with the way that you are trying to make it and the, the process that you, how much space you've made for people to be heard along the way or not. <laughs> And, and I want to throw in here that I can just practically hear clients saying to me in response to that, but we asked if there were any questions or we said everybody, you know, we, we stopped and let everybody speak. Yeah. Um, and I'm just thinking of a meeting I was in just this week where um, I was facilitating and, and you could just see someone's expression. They were just ready to climb out of their chair. And, and I said, you know, what's that about? Oh, I don't want to slow down the process. Oh, I yes. don't want to disrupt things. I don't want to be the person who makes the meeting not get done. The, you know, whatever the reasons are. And when I encouraged that space and the group demonstrated a willingness to, to hold some space for that, what came up was some historic stuff that was just clenching the gut. And, and it was a person who might have gone ahead with a decision, so it wasn't 100% stuck. But that stuff keeps coming up. And that uh -huh. gut clenching is in the room. And so making space isn't only about technically saying, does anybody have anything else? It's also about having the facilitation skill and the history with the group and the, the, the culture within the group to pull out what's there and to, to surface what's there, even when it's not particularly obvious or comfortable for that person to say it. Yeah. I, I mean... I am, I'm always a tools uh, and models and process person. It's where my brain goes to on these things. And one of the things I think about with that is um, a couple of different things around. One is uh, Ed DeBono's uh, Six Thinking Hats. And he talks about, uh, you know, it's different ways of approaching a problem. And he says that in groups, we all need, that all of the types of thinking um, that are the six hats are useful. And what happens is that we will tend in an organization to favor one over the other five. And we need to make deliberate space for the other five. And the one that is most often marginalized is the black hat, which is the what could go wrong hat. And so the tool there is you actually ask everyone to put on the same hat at the same time. So you say, all right, now I want everyone to start listing reasons why this won't work rather right. than asking one person who then, and what happens in a lot of organizations is that the person who is the naysayer, the person who points out what could go wrong, gets marginalized. 
um, because the because the the group wants to move forward, right? They just want to get through it, and so engaging like actually not just relying on one person being courageous enough to point it out but actually requiring everyone to do it can actually make things smoother and easier and quicker and i've seen a pattern where the people who are particularly skilled at identifying what might go wrong have often been labeled as naysayers marginalized beaten up for speaking it yeah. And so they come with a history that says it isn't like, I see all this stuff and it isn't safe for me to say it. Uh, and they may not necessarily be skilled at saying it in a productive way. So there, there's layers mm -hmm. and layers of this, but this is again, mm -hmm. where you want that skilled facilitator who has a, a collection of tools to pull mm -hmm. out and, and can read the room and know, okay, this is a moment when we don't have everything on the table that should be there. And what's the tool that I'm going to pull out of my toolbox to get there. Yeah. You know, the other thing that comes for me around that, because I've totally worked in organizations that talk about how they, they value positivity and what actually means is the worst possible thing for your career is for you to be labeled as one who is negative. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that people stop pointing out where there might be problems. Um, and there's a place of thinking of like, how can we see the gift of not being able to agree? Because what that's meaning is that someone is, is resisting saying yes to this thing um, and not giving in to the pressure to do that. And there's something behind that. It's an opportunity. It might be an incredibly frustratingly timed opportunity. <laughs> but, but like that is the, um, this question, though, like, what do we do? What happens when we can't agree? Um, I think there's the, the implicit part of that, which is the, um, and we don't have time to slow down to figure it out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, and, we're and headed. It, Go ahead. And I think that's where the real, um, like that's the subtext of the question, right? Because oftentimes people know, okay, well, need, we need to, need to spend more time on this and we don't feel willing to do that right now. And, and I would give a corollary to that or we don't know how. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so as we head towards wrapping up, I just wanna sort of flag the, <laughs> the summary, which is, you know, first that this is a really common question. What do mm -hmm. we do when we can't agree that, or how, what happens when we can't agree happens all the time. So it's mm -hmm. normal and usual. Um, and, and that maybe the first step is to think about what sort of standard of agreement do we have? And is that really the, the standard that's going to be most effective for us as an organization or as a community? Um, so that's sort of step one is to think about that. Um, and then step two is to really look toward what haven't we done yet? What haven't we heard? What tools haven't we used? What level of facilitation skill might we need to sort of add to this? What what can we do to sort of build trust and a sense of safety within that to expand that space within which we can not have full agreement and have enough ability to move forward. So, and leaning into probably if we're stuck without an agreement, what we need is to do some more work, bring some more things to light, take some more time. Um, yeah. And so that's sort of where we're headed with that. And kind of wrapping those those last several things up, it's really the, the there's a, a question there in what hasn't been said 
that needs to be in order for us to be able to move to move towards agreement. Yeah. Cool. Or maybe what hasn't been heard. Which yeah. is not always the same thing as what hasn't been said. <laughs> this is true. What has not been heard that needs to in order for us to be able to move forward. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. So until next time, I'm Paul Tevis. And I'm Karen Gimnig. And this has been Employing Differences. <laughs> <laughs>